We all know about heart attacks, but have you ever heard of a brain attack? On this episode of The Best of Health, we're going to learn all about brain attacks, more commonly known as strokes. There are few things more important to your life than your health. You want the best of it. We want the best of it for you. That's why we're giving you The Best of Health Podcast, where we cover a number of healthcare issues that affect you, your family, as well as the physicians, providers, and staff that help you on your healthcare journey, right here at Confluence Health. My name is Clint Strand, and we are talking with Dr. Kelly Condifer of the Confluence Health Neurology Department. Dr. Condifer, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited because we're talking about something that I think most of us have heard about, but not too many of us know about. And that, of course, is stroke. For many of us, it's big, it's scary, the the prospect of it. But what exactly does it mean? What is it? And possibly, how can you set your environmental factors so that you have less of a chance of acquiring a stroke? Uh, Let's start with the basics, first of all. Dr. Contifer, when we talk about stroke, what exactly is a stroke and how do you recognize it? You could think about a stroke as a brain attack. So compare it to a heart attack. Okay. Um, You know, a blood vessel gets blocked in the heart by a blood clot or a cholesterol plaque. And then the part of the heart that was dependent on that blood vessel for survival gets damaged and, and actually can die. Same thing can happen in the brain. Um, Your brain has a circulation, the arteries going into the brain supplying necessary blood and and oxygen. And any blood vessel that gets blocked or damaged in some way can, can cause a stroke. And it's a big deal because this is what I've heard, and this is time to dispel some rumors and myths here. I mean, I've heard that a significant portion of your body's volume that is blood, mm-hmm. it resides in your head. I've heard up to 20%. Is that correct? Actually, it may not be the actual volume of blood, but it's the energy required to keep your brain running. Gotcha. So it's Yeah. So it, your brain really does use a huge proportion of your, your body's energy. I didn't want to get us off track, but the point mm-hmm. I was trying to make is that there's a significant amount of energy and blood that's, that's concentrated up there. So mm-hmm. when there's something that messes up with that, a brain attack, as you said, mm-hmm. it can be a really big deal. Oh, it's a huge deal. And, you know, the other thing is that strokes can affect affect people in so many different ways. Strokes are different from heart attacks in that depending on where in the brain the stroke occurs, it can affect you completely differently. So Now, before this, mm-hmm. we were talking in general, and I know we can really wade into the, the details on this because few things are more complex than the human brain. Mm-hmm. That being said, 30,000 foot view, there are two main types of strokes, right? Yeah. If we're talking about, we're gonna, if we restrict talking about stroke to something we, that we call ischemic stroke, so that ischemic means loss of blood flow to right. a certain area, there are a whole group of other conditions that some are, sometimes are referred to as strokes where there's bleeding that happens in the brain. So we won't be talking as much about that today. So we'll stick to the ischemic strokes. And then, yes, there are two main ways that an ischemic stroke can happen. So the small vessel strokes Mm -hmm. and then large blood vessel Mm -hmm. strokes. What are the classic signs of a stroke? 
So for any stroke, the classic signs can vary from sudden onset of weakness on half your body, sudden difficulty talking. And in fact, we have some good tools that we like to teach to the public and also to other healthcare providers, which are simple ways to recognize or remember signs of a stroke. Classes in session? Tell us about them. Yeah. So this, well, this one tool that we're we're starting to use more is called the BFAST. So BFAST stands for balance, eyes, face, arm, speech, and time. So each of those factors are different things can that can happen suddenly when someone's having a stroke. So one potential sign of a stroke is sudden loss of balance. Another is sudden onset of vision problem or double vision. And then another way, sometimes a stroke can cause half your face to droop. So looking at someone's face can clue you in. And those are that's a very telltale droop. I mean, you mm-hmm. see it. It's it's not like you're trying to make one set your face go up and one it's this side of your face literally goes slack a little bit right typically i mean it can vary um and then there are conditions that are not stroke that can cause half of your face to go weak just to keep it interesting but but yeah definitely it's usually the lower part of the face that would be weak in a stroke So those are the classic signs. If you see them, what should you do if you suspect you or someone you're with, a loved one, could be in the midst of a stroke? The first thing to do, well, the first thing to know is that time is of the essence because once a stroke starts, every minute about 1.9 million neurons or nerve cells are lost during a stroke. So y- your brain cannot live very long after blood flow has been interrupted. It needs a constant supply of nutrients and oxygen. So the first thing to do when when someone has a symptom that could be stroke is to call 911. Do not hop in the car and drive there. Call 911. Yes, we uh, and it this is always a tough question. We we um at our institution, we've we've studied this because one of the things that we know affects people's outcomes after they have a stroke is whether or not they arrive to the ER by ambulance or by some other mechanism. Why is that? Well, it's because when you arrive by ambulance, the EMS professionals are trained at recognizing signs of stroke. As soon as they see you, they will call ahead into the hospital and alert us that a stroke is on the way uh, or someone who's potentially having a stroke. And so the entire team of people who needs to be involved in care immediately will be there and ready for you. When you drive yourself to the emergency room, sometimes there can be a delay, you know, and we don't want to lose any minute. Because there's lots of preparation that's happening in that emergency room Mm -hmm. while they're waiting for you to get there. And that's time lost if they need to prepare for that once you walk into the ED. Absolutely. So we are, number one, we're making sure that a CAT scanner is free. You know, a CT scan is the first thing we do when you arrive to the ER for strokes symptoms. And also just getting them, there's medications that can be given sometimes for a stroke to help reverse the problem. Um, and that medication takes time to get ready. And then there's basically a whole team of people. There are nurses, pharmacists, and doctors, all of whom have to get together and be on the same page 
in order to take care of you in a timely manner. Plus, the emergency team, the EMS folks, when they arrive at your house, they're getting they're able to gather all sorts of information that we need, such as your blood sugar, your blood pressure. Um, and they have all this information for us, even the medications that you're on, that's critical for us to know about when you come in for a stroke. And and so that can all be gathered ahead of time with the EMS. So to involved. use a horrible car analogy, you know, mm-hmm. it takes a while from a car to go to zero to 60. If you're starting from a dead stop, this allows the car to get to 100, by the time mm-hmm. you get wheeled through the door, you're off and literally running, or they're running for you. Absolutely. Yeah, you hit the ground running. Um, it, there's a danger if you, you know, if you arrive on your own or you try to check in through the waiting room that things can be delayed. Now, let's mm-hmm. just call a spade a spade. Uh, full disclosure, no, this is not the first time that Dr. Conifer and I have talked before mm-hmm. these this tape starts mm-hmm. running. We've chatted a little bit before uh, this podcast started, and one of the things that we talked about were perceived barriers or reasons why folks don't call an ambulance. And let's just get the elephant out in the room right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks think, oh my gosh, it's going to cost an arm and a leg in my insurance if I call the ambulance. Look, mm-hmm. in the long run, you are saving money by calling 911, especially if you have a good idea that this is indeed what you or a loved one is experiencing. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about the difference between getting treated earlier for a stroke versus later, which can occur if you try to drive yourself or a loved one tries to bring you, that could be the difference between being able to walk out of the hospital afterwards or being left with some permanent problem and that requires other medical care in the future that really adds up. So actually, the cost of of an ambulance ride probably is well worth it, you know, when you think of the advantage it gives you if you're having a stroke. Absolutely. Talking with Dr. Kelly Condifer of the Confluence Health Neurology Department about strokes, what they are, what to do if you suspect you are having a stroke. And here's an interesting way I thought we could wrap up the conversation. There are things that you can do to decrease your risk of a stroke before it happens. Absolutely. And this is probably the most critical thing because, you know, although we do have treatments for stroke, these treatment and and these treatments are time sensitive, the earlier they're done, the better. They're not 100% effective. And the best way to deal with stroke is to prevent it in the first place. And there are certain things that every person can do in their diet and lifestyle to prevent stroke. There's some of the same things that you can do to lower your risk of cardiovascular disease because stroke is a vascular disease. It's another form of disease of the blood vessels. And so things like blood pressure are critical. Not eating too much salt in your diet, not eating bacon every day, is, is these are good things to look at and, and change. Eating a higher proportion of plants, food that's made from plants, Um, So vegetables, fruits, whole grains, having your diet made up mostly of these things and not much meat, not much processed food. These things are are also extremely healthy. You might have heard of the Mediterranean diet before. For folks who don't know, generally, what is it? Well, it's basically a way of eating rather than a diet. So it's and it's a way of eating that emphasizes 
just what we talked about, where you're mostly taking in fresh foods, you know, whole foods, not foods that come out of boxes or are processed. Foods out of the sides and the back of the store, not exactly. the middle aisles of that store. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean, it feels like I know some people might be listening to those suggestions saying, well, yes, that's common sense. But if it's common sense, everyone truly would be doing them. And there are some great ways to prepare food and eat them so that it's super enjoyable and you don't feel like you're missing anything. And no one's saying you need to cut out bacon for life. No, you know, we have to be, be, we have to treat ourselves every once in a while. And it's, it's all about the way just sort of making lifestyle changes that you stick with most of the time. And that sometimes you might, you know, you might go off track a little bit, but you have a certain way that you like to eat. And in talking earlier, you'd also mentioned that if you are diabetic or pre-diabetic, you really need to pay special attention to those factors as well. Yes? Absolutely. And one thing that I notice, diabetes is a huge risk factor for stroke. And some people don't put that together. Additionally, diabetes is a large, is a big risk factor for dementia, which I think many people don't realize. Really? Yes. We do have medications which treat diabetes, but sometimes I think people get a little bit too reliant on medications and they forget that their diet is something they can also change and and work on. Dr. Kelly Condifer, we have talked about a ton. We've talked about the generalities of stroke, how to recognize it, what to do if you suspect that you might be suffering from a stroke, and of course, things that you can do to decrease your chances of acquiring a stroke. Lots of details. Let's tie all this together for those folks walking away from this conversation or driving away, if you're listening to this in your car, what would you like folks to take away, big picture, from this conversation about stroke? I think the main point is that stroke is now a treatable condition. It wasn't as treatable just a few years ago. The medical care of stroke has revolutionized in the past few years. It has a treatment, but that treatment is time-sensitive, Time is brain, so you cannot waste any time when you when you may when you think you may be developing a stroke or a loved one may be developing a stroke. Calling nine one one is your best and fastest way to get help. Doctor Condorfer, we learned a lot today about stroke, how to prevent it, and what to do if you feel like you might be suffering the effects of a stroke or someone you love. Very important conversation. Thanks so much for spending time with us today. You're so welcome. Thank you. Well, this conversation is over, but more is on the way. So like us, subscribe, and visit us at confluencehealth.org. I'm Clint Strand for Confluence Health, wishing you the best of health.